In the first century, a rabbi was walking down a path outside of Jerusalem. He was reciting the Torah as he walked, and as a matter of course, he was following the command that's found in Deuteronomy chapter six that says, as you walk along the road, recite these commands. Well, as he was walking along the road, he came to a fork. And it was dark, it was evening, he wasn't sure which way to go. So he just kind of randomly chose one of the paths. He began to walk down the path, he continued, and he continued to recite the text. When he was immediately stopped in his tracks by a booming voice which cried out, who are you and what are you doing here? The rabbi realized that he had taken the wrong path. When the voice cried out again, who are you and what are you doing here? The rabbi realized that the wrong path had taken him to one of the city gates of Jerusalem and the voice was that of a Roman soldier. The rabbi being quick on his feet thought for a moment and replied, how much are you paid for a week's work? The Roman soldier replied, I receive three denarius a week. The rabbi said, I will pay you double that amount if you come to my house every morning and you ask me, who are you and what are you doing here? Two very important questions. Who are you? And what are you doing here? Those may be two of the most important questions that anyone ever asks of themselves or even for that matter, of anyone else. There are many people that avoid those two questions because they don't have an answer or they don't like the answer. We're not gonna avoid those questions this morning. Who are you? And what are you doing here? What are you doing here at church this morning? What do you do at school? What do you do at work? What do you do in your family? What are you doing in life? Who are you really? Now, before we take up those two questions, there's something that I feel that I need to share with you this morning. I want you to know this morning that you are so, so special to God. You are so, so special to God. Last week, we talked about the darkness in the world around us, and we talked about the darkness that is within us, and that can be a discouraging topic. Yes, we learned that with repentance comes refreshment, but the darkness all around us can be discouraging and it can be, even be overwhelming at times. So you need to know that to God, you are so, so special. Do you know that he has given each one of you gifts? Every single one of you in this place this morning has at least one gift from God. Some of you have been given the gift to encourage others. Some of you have been the, given the gift to give. Some of you have been given the gift to teach, some to lead, and so many other gifts. But not only do you have gifts, 
You have talents. Some of you are artistic. You have the ability to draw or paint a picture. Some of you are musical. You can play an instrument or you can beautifully sing a song. Others of you are athletic. You can run like the wind or you have soft hands to catch a ball. And there's other of you that are just, you're just smart. You can do crazy math problems. You can solve difficult logical dilemmas. Each one of you has been given gifts and talents from God. You are so, so special in his eyes. With that in mind, would you please take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter four, as we address the questions that are on the table, who are you and what are you doing here? Matthew chapter four is found on page 785 in the Bible that the church provides. It's in a rack in front of you. Grab it and follow along. Matthew chapter four. Here in Matthew chapter four, Our text this morning describes Jesus calling four of his disciples. A disciple is in essence a follower or a student of a teacher or a leader. And at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, he calls 12 people to follow him closely, 12 people to be his disciples. Here we see, or we're going to read, of the recording of Jesus calling four of those people. And later in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew records his own call. But other than that, in a conversation that Jesus has with a guy named Philip and another guy named Nathaniel, we don't, know, we don't really know how the others were specifically called. So our text this morning becomes representative of the call of all the disciples. Matthew 4, beginning in verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, on first reading, this sounds a little bit like Jesus is one day just walking kind of along a beach. He looks out, and he sees a couple guys, and he says, hey, you two, come follow me. And as a result, they just kind of drop their nets and they think, hey, like, why not? Let's go follow this guy. But there's more to the story. In John chapter one, we read a story of where these men met Jesus probably for the very first time. You see, Andrew and maybe John were originally disciples of John the Baptist. And sometime after John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, John the Baptist and Andrew, maybe John, they're sitting there and Jesus walks by. And as Jesus walks by, John the Baptist says to these guys, he goes, that's him. That's the guy. You should go follow him. 
So what they do, Andrew picks up and he's like, yeah, let's go follow him. So they go and they follow Jesus. They have a conversation with us, with him. Andrew ends up going getting his brother, Simon. Simon then comes, Jesus renames Simon Peter. They have a discussion. A day or two later, Jesus goes and he has a conversation with a guy named Philip and another guy named Nathaniel. And they kind of start to have interest in Jesus and who he is. But the original meeting with Andrew and Jesus and with Philip and Nathaniel and Jesus seems to be a bit of a preliminary discussion. And it seems as if from the text that they begin to kind of hang out with Jesus so they know who he is. But it's about a year later that we come to Matthew chapter four and now we have what we refer to as, it's kind of the real call. It's this real call that Jesus calls them to this next level of discipleship, to something really special. And he says, follow me and I'm gonna send you out to fish for people. But I don't know about you, but that raises a question for me. Why? Why? Why would these guys drop their nets and follow Jesus? Why would they drop their nets and leave their business, their livelihood? This is how they put food on the table. Why would they drop their nets and leave their coworkers? Why would they drop their nets and leave their families. Well, you need to understand a little bit about Jewish culture, about what happened during the time. In the first century, for Jewish young people, education started around the age of five. And people were educated from about five to 12 or 13 years old. They were trained to read and to write, but they were trained to read and to write by studying the Torah, by memorizing the Torah, the first five books of our Bible, the law. They also studied the prophets and the wisdom literature and poetry. And they learned using those, they learned using their Bible. They would memorize, they would read, and they would write and they would grow in knowledge and understanding. And if they were smart enough, if they were intelligent enough, and they wanted to continue their education, they would then go and they would seek out a rabbi. A rabbi is a teacher. They would seek out a rabbi for further training. And they would train with that rabbi for a period of time. And likely after their training, by the time they hit about 30 years old, they too would become a rabbi and they would then have their own disciples. And you need to understand that this is a very high honor in Jewish culture, this rabbi-disciple relationship. And the interesting thing about this rabbi-disciple relationship is it wasn't necessarily for the acquisition of knowledge. It was important to know. It was important to understand, but it was not the primary goal to have knowledge. The primary goal was the relationship with the rabbi. The primary goal for a disciple was to become the rabbi they were following. It wasn't a matter of knowing, it was a matter of being. These disciples wanted to be just like the rabbi they were going to follow. Do you understand the difference between the rabbi-disciple educational model and our educational model? 
In our educational model, we ask, well, what do I need to do to get an A? Or what do I need to do to pass the class? Or maybe if you're highly motivated, you think I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go after all the knowledge I possibly can because I want to know things. Can you imagine living your life just to be like your English teacher? Like I loved Mr. Cannon, but I don't want, no, no, no offense against English teachers here or any teachers. You people are great but we're probably not going to school to become like our English teachers. And in this rabbinical model, the goal was not necessarily knowledge. It was to become like the teacher. Further, if you wanted it, you had to go after it. You had to find a rabbi who was willing to teach you You had to find a rabbi who saw something very special in you and who called you to follow him so that you could be like him. But you had to go after it. You had to be the one who wanted it. So at the age of about 15 to 18 years old, if you were smart enough, if you were intelligent enough, and if you wanted to continue your education, you'd have to go out and find a rabbi that was willing to mold you, to shape you, to use your gifts and your talents, to make you into a little mini-me. The rabbi would then ask questions, difficult questions, like name all the unclean animals that are unclean insects that are identified in the Bible. Name all the clean insects that are identified. Name the only unclean insect that you can eat. Anybody know the answer to that one? It's a bee. A bee is the only unclean insect that you can actually eat. But there was a test, and you had to be smart enough, you had to be intelligent enough, and if you were smart enough, and if you were intelligent enough, the rabbi would say, come follow me. You may be my disciple. But what about us? What did we read this morning? What's happening here? Matthew 4, verse 18, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus doesn't wait for them to come to him. He goes after them. Neither Peter nor Andrew approached Jesus. Neither James nor John approached Jesus. Our guys are fishing. And Jesus called out to them. They are fishing, which means that they're not already in a rabbi-disciple relationship, which means that Andrew and Peter and James and John probably are not at the top of their class. They're probably not A students. They're not the ones that would have been able to go out and ask a rabbi, can I be your disciple? But Jesus sees in them something special. Jesus sees in them their gifts. Jesus sees in them their talents. He sees in them something special. And Jesus goes to them and he says to them, follow me. Follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. You see, Jesus is completely unique. He does not wait for people to come to him. He goes to the people. 
He goes to Andrew and Peter. He goes to James and John. And he says to them, follow me. And when they hear this call, they drop their nets. They drop their nets because they understand something of the rabbi-disciple relationship. They drop their nets because they know, they understand that Jesus sees something special in each of them. They drop their nets because they see something special in Jesus. Remember, they heard John the Baptist say, that's the Messiah. That's the savior of the world. So they drop their nets to follow Jesus. And I have to also think that somewhere down deep inside, because of their education, because of their understanding of the Torah and of primarily of the prophets, that they knew what Jeremiah said hundreds of years before this date. But now, however, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be said, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt, but it will be said, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them, for I will restore them to the land I gave to their ancestors, but now I will send for many... Fishermen, hundreds of years before, God declares that he's going to send for fishermen and they will what? Catch them. And after that, I will send for many hunters and they will hunt them down on every mountain and hill and from the crevices of the rocks. Hundreds of years before, God declares that someday I am going to send fishermen and those fishermen are gonna go out and they're gonna catch them. Men, Andrew and Peter and James and John understood that Jesus was calling them with their gifts and their talents and their abilities to something special. He was calling them. He was calling fishermen. So they dropped their nets. And in doing so, right there, right then, at that moment, they can answer the questions, who are you and what are you doing here? Because at that point in time, they can declare, I am a follower of Jesus. And I am going to be sent out to fish for people. Now let's look a little bit more closely at the call. Let's look at this call that Jesus gave to those disciples and the call that he gives to you and to me. Look at verse 19 again. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, I like the Bible translation that says, I will make you fishers of men. How many of you remember the little song that we used to sing when we were kids? Yes, I would sing it for you, but you would all leave. There's a song, I will make you fishers of men. So Jesus says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So Jesus' call to his disciples has two parts. There are two parts to this call. He first calls them to follow him, and then he calls them to be fishers of men. In other words, they were called to a relationship which provided an identity, 
and they were called to a mission which provided a purpose. They were called to a relationship that provided an identity and to a mission that provided a purpose. First, the call to relationship. And what I mean by this is that he is not calling them or us to a concept or an ideology or a philosophy or an institution. He calls us to relationship in him. He calls us to himself. He calls us to identity. I'd like to share four things about this relationship, four things about the identity that he calls us to. First, The call is personal. This is a personal call. Jesus singled out Andrew, Peter, James, and John. He did not call Zebedee. He did not call the other people that they were working with. This was personal for Andrew, Peter, James, and John. It was a call for them to learn from him, a call to them to listen to him. It was a call to them to observe all that he taught so that each of them personally could become just like Jesus. Remember, the goal of the disciple is not just to know. The goal of the disciple is to be. Second, not only is it personal, it's decisive. It's a firm call. Look what he says. He says, follow me. You will notice that Jesus did not ask, would you like to follow me? He did not ask, are you willing to follow me? He looks at them and he commands them and he says to them, follow me. There's not time for negotiations. There's not time to figure out the true nature of the call or other interests or plans that they may have. Jesus says, follow me and look. Look at their response. When Andrew and Peter heard this, it says, verse 20, at once they left their nets and followed him. The same is true of James and John, verse 22, and immediately they left the boat and their father and follow him, which is actually really the third thing about the call. It's personal, it's decisive, but it requires obedience. All four of them immediately left their nets and obeyed. You see, following Jesus means going where he goes. It means doing what he says to do. It means obeying everything that Jesus says. This is not out of an obligation or a duty. This obedience comes out of the love that is represented in the relationship. Later on, when Jesus is facing death, he calls all his disciples together. And he kind of gives them some last instructions. And one of the instructions he gives to his disciples right before he's going to die, he says to them, it's recorded in John chapter 14, he says to them, if you love me, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, you will obey my commands. You see, without obedience, there is no relationship personal, decisive, requires obedience. Fourth, and this is a full disclosure moment, a full disclosure moment, there is a cost to following Jesus. 
following Jesus requires sacrifice and often includes disruption. Sacrifice and disruption. Look at the second half of verse 21. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This refers to James and John leaving their father Zebedee. But think about it. Think about all the disciples. Each one of them, every one of them left something or someone. They left their jobs, which put food on the table. They left their friends. They left their coworkers. They left their families to follow Jesus. You see, the call that Jesus gives to you and to me, the call that he gives to us is personal. It's decisive. It requires obedience. And it will require sacrifice. And it will disrupt your life. But it is all worth it because you get Jesus. You get identity. You are able to answer the question, who am I? I am a follower of Jesus. Well, we've looked at the call to relationship which provides identity, which answers the question, who are you? Now let's look at the call to mission which gives a purpose and answers the question, why are you here? Why are you here? The call to mission, which gives a purpose. And I know that right now, I know right now somebody is listening to me who feels like life has no purpose. You're sitting here this morning and you're looking at me and you're thinking, yeah, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what life's all about. I don't know if there is any purpose at all. And you are thinking life has no purpose. Do not believe the lie. It is a lie from Satan himself because Jesus' call gives us a mission which provides a purpose. Verse 19, again, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. The call to abandon what they were doing was a call to mission. It was a call call to a completely new purpose. They are called to go out into this dark world to make fishers of men. The highest purpose, the highest call possible is given to Peter and Andrew and James and John and the highest purpose and the highest mission possible is given to every one of us who has declared themselves a follower of Jesus Christ and that purpose is to make fishers of men, to bring people, to point people to Jesus Christ, to point people to salvation, to point people to life. This is the call of Jesus 
John Bunyan, hundreds of years ago, wrote a book called The Pilgrim's Progress. And in The Pilgrim's Progress, there is a main character and his name is Christian. And Christian in the beginning of the story is trapped in his sin. The destruction of sin is all around him. And he in fact lives in a city called the City of Destruction. And he's not sure of the way and he knows he has to get to the wicked gate. And if he can just get to the wicked gate, there is light at the wicked gate but he doesn't know how to get there. So God sends a man named Evangelist and Evangelist points the way to the wicked gate. He points to the way to the yonder light. Evangelist's job was to point the way to Jesus. And you see the connection? You see, Jesus has called you to follow him. It gives you an identity but he's called you to mission. He's called you to purpose. And the purpose that he has given to you, the purpose that he's given to me is to point others to Jesus, to point others to the wicked gate for the light of salvation, the light of life. Now you may be like me and you may be thinking to yourself, oh, wow, that sounds a bit overwhelming. Not sure I can do that. Not sure I'm gonna have the ability, the resources the bravery to point people to Jesus. That is why Jesus has called you to be a disciple. That is why he has called you to be like him and he's not going to leave you alone. He is molding you and shaping you. He is using your gifts and your talents. He's molding and shaping those gifts and those talents so that you can become like Jesus. And so what does he do in the process? He works on your character. He makes your character more and more like his own. He works on your ambitions. He takes away your selfishness and your self-desire and your self-focus and causes you to be humble, live in humility so that you can serve others. He works on your understanding. He helps you learn and know the gospel so that you can share it. He works on your trust because in and of ourselves, we find it very difficult to trust anybody, very difficult to trust even Jesus. But he continually works on our trust so that we can turn over our worries and our anxieties and turn and trust him. And finally, he works on our hope. He works on our hope so that we can see this vision of salvation, salvation of other people. Jesus works on your character. He works on your ambitions. He works on your understanding. He works on your trust and he works on your hope because he is molding and shaping and using your gifts and your talents so that you can become more like him so that you can go out and fish for people. Who are you and what are you doing here? Who are you and what are you doing here? Now, I know there are some of you here this morning who have never answered the call. You've never answered the call that Jesus is presenting to you and he is presenting it to you right now, right here this morning. He is saying to you, follow me. And it is personal, it is decisive, it requires obedience. And yes, it's gonna have a cost. But he is saying to you, follow me and I am going to give you purpose. And then there's our others of us here this morning, and this includes most of us, that we get distracted we get distracted away from the call and we think, well, well, I don't know, maybe God's called me to be a doctor. Maybe a lawyer, maybe a plumber, maybe a carpenter, maybe a wife, maybe a husband. And 
those are all good things. But even within that call, those calls are secondary calls to the primary call that he has given to each one of us to make fishers of men out of each one of us. Recognize that if you are doctoring, if you are lawyering, if you are plumbering, if you are carpentering, if you are momming or dadding, I don't know that you can make all those verbs, but I think I just did. If you are doing those things, you are doing those things for the primary purpose to point other people to Jesus. Because if you don't, they may not be able to see the yonder light. Who are you? And what are you doing here? I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And my job, my privilege is to point people to Jesus. And I'm gonna give you one assignment as you leave this place this morning. You ever been to a party and people ask you, hey, what do you do for a living? You been there? Hey, what do you do? Nobody never asks you who you are because that's really awkward. If they ask you who you are, tell them you're a follower of Jesus. If they ask you what do you do for a living, here's your assignment. Tell them, you know what? I try to point people to Jesus. Do you dare? Do you dare do that? Because that's the purpose. That's why you are here on this earth. That's why I am on this earth. Who am I? I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And my mission, my purpose is to point people to Jesus. And I pray that the Holy Spirit empowers each one of us to recognize that our identity is ultimately in Jesus Christ and that we have a purpose. And that purpose is to point people to Jesus, which brings us to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a table that speaks of identity. When we come to the table of Jesus Christ, when you eat that bread, when you drink that juice, you are proclaiming that you are associating yourself with Jesus Christ himself. And I want you to know, I want you to understand, recognize whatever you want to do. He is in this room this morning. He is here. And when we take those elements, when you take those elements this morning, answer the questions. Who are you? And what are you doing here?